The home is much more than just tile, cabinetry, um, and drywall. I mean, it is a feeling. It should be felt. It should be experienced. It is where our clients relax at the end of the day. It's where they're going to create family memories. And so to be part of that process, first of all, is an honor as a designer to be entrusted with that. But also it's more than just the things. It's a feeling. And that takes careful balance. In the design world, we're constantly looking at balance. Welcome to episode 96 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I speak with Alicia Taylor from Alicia Taylor Interiors. And Alicia is an incredible designer here local, here in Scottsdale. In fact, we have a couple of projects together. And this conversation was super important. We spoke about that team collaboration, that team approach, but even more so understanding the ideal client. Why are they ideal? What makes it a successful project? You know, setting those parameters. How does she work through that design process? Even to the extent of where do you go on vacation? You know, where do you travel and how do you incorporate that into the design itself? We spoke about just the process and how do you educate the client? Most of this comes down to education. There's nothing more expensive than a cheap bid, a cheap proposal. And then how are you dealing with the complexity of business from marketing to psychology to management and then dealing with long lead times? A lot of information. There's a lot of knowledge that Alicia shared with us. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome today to Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt. And today we have with us Alicia Taylor. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you for having me. And Alicia is founder and owner of Alicia Taylor Interiors, and she is here local in Phoenix, although she's working everywhere, even out of the country. Yep, and yep. in addition to that, we have a few projects together. And right now it's an interesting time. I know Alicia and I have really tried to figure out this market because right now with inflation and costs, you know, even though you and I worked really well in pre-construction, there's so much we're dealing with. So what's your biggest challenge right now? Really, our biggest challenge, because our local market is bananas right now, is sometimes just saying no to a potential client and weeding out and educating the clients. Um, the market is crazy right now. Prices are changing. The perfect client and an ideal client understands that there's no set number sometimes when we get started. And they're hiring a team, not a number or a bid. And so that has been a challenge because there isn't any set rules anymore because things are, you know, so busy. So it's interesting because I know with your clientele, you're probably going to get a little bit of both. You have some clients that are going to rely on you, Alicia, and say, okay, Alicia, put together the team. We need a good architect. We need a good builder. We need a good landscape architect. But you're going to have some, I'm sure, that say, okay, Alicia, well, we want you to design it. Then we want to get three bids or four bids. Like... How do you navigate just that conversation or education, if you will, to the client? I was going to say, that's exactly what it is, is education. Um, we, we really try to be upfront, honest, transparent with our clients, whether it's how we design or how we charge, but also what the industry looks like. We do this day in and day out, and they don't. And so they're coming to us. And so whether we're already, you know, we're part of a great established team, that's ideal, but if they're coming to us looking for that right builder or they keep talking about bids, we, we're not afraid to kind of pump the brakes on that conversation and educate them about trust and reputation in the industry and that a bid may work against you where you hire a great trusted builder and a trusted architect. They are hired to work for you. You know, and be upfront about your budget. Be honest. We're all here to make the most beautiful house for you and to fit what you want and to meet your expectations. No one, you don't want to have anyone working against you throughout that process. I love that you shared it that way, at least that perspective. So if I'm the client, Alicia, and I'm coming to you and I'm like, okay, Alicia, I want you to design this amazing house. We have this great architect. We want to send out for bid the best price. So how would you just handle that conversation of my expectation as I'm pushing my understanding of the industry, and you're saying, well, bids can work against you. What does that, that yeah. mean? And it's tricky. I mean, at the end of the day, it's our client's house and it's their wallet. And we do respect that. So first of all, it's education. And then second is if they're just adamant that that's the, the path that they want to go down, 
then we really have to do some deep dives ourselves because we we rely on our contractors for some of that budget conversation. What are the expectations? How much have you put into the budget? What are our allowances? Where if we don't have that from the get-go, it'd be really easy as a designer just to, you know, design anything we want. And so it just forces us to do a deeper dive into what their expectations are, um, Sometimes we say, okay, are, are, are you, can you afford the Honda or the Mercedes or do you want an Aston Martin? Like, where do we even take this project and throwing out realistic numbers for them? Are you prepared for $400 a square foot? Are you thinking more $600 a square foot? Show us a home that you love and I can, I can look at it pretty quick and know what budget, you know, <laughs> are they wanting a $10 million house for $2 million? Um, or are they realistic? And so a lot of that is just managing expectations from the very, very get-go, whether there ideally is a great team or at the end of the day, we're kind of there to help them through that whole process to the end. Yeah, there's a lot of ass of a designer. I think most people don't realize, especially involved in the beginning, because they rely on you for your advice, for not only your aesthetic and the design of the house, but also the coordination with the architect, with the budget, with the contractor, finding trades to execute your design. But it's interesting you brought the bid against you because I, I think about it this way as a builder. So it's very complicated to bid a project, right? To bid a custom home, to diagnose and make sure that we have everything in Alicia's spec book. We have everything from the architect that is bid out because there's a lot of different options and products from different suppliers, different installers. And it's even more complicated. Let's just take something simple that's not simple as concrete. If we're working on a hillside build that you and I have, Mm -hmm. You know, my team will get three concrete bids, but even though we get three bids, all three are totally different. They're including different things. They're excluding different things. Their interpretation of the plans are different. And so we have to be extremely experienced. We have to understand the numbers to a T, right? As we're doing blue beam and we're doing estimates and quantity takeoffs. So that way we know that we're not missing footings or certain scopes that we actually need because that be as a change order to us or the client later and it really creates a bad relationship. And so I always think about it this way. If you're the client and you're trying to get three bids, okay, it's difficult enough with concrete, right? But now you take a <laughs> hundred people build. working on it. How do you know the interpretation that the builder has the right spec of cabinetry that Alicia wants? You know, the right type of hardware that the, you know, what's the quality? I mean, there's so many variables. And that's why, as you mentioned, if you have the right team, if you have a contractor you trust and the benefit of you, Alicia, having worked as a designer for so many years and so many connections that you can really point your clients in the right direction to say, yeah, this is the right person. I know how they communicate. I know the process where it's going to be a fair and, and ethical and, and cost-effective build for you. Yeah. And I, and it still comes down to education, but we, I like to use the analogy with my clients like, hey, um, you're going to go on a family vacation or you're going to design a family vacation, maybe for a different family. And there's no parameters put to it. Is it a safari in Africa? Is it a relaxing beach vacation, staying at a cheap hotel? Um, and, and so when there are no parameters, when there's too many unknowns, going out and getting a bid will never be apples to apples, ever. Um, and that's where we t educate them. And that's where the bid can work against you because now you've got a builder who knows that. They've been in the industry. They do this day in and day out. And the lowest bid, unfortunately, gets the most attention right. to our clients, <laughs> of course. They um, see that number and it's hard it, to it's, move from it. Yes. Um, but without that understanding of what it's missing or what it doesn't include, um, unfortunately, we've had clients go down that road where they went out to bid, went with the cheapest builder, and then at the end, you know, year and a half, two years later, come back to us and say, Gosh, you were right. We ended up spending the exact same amount of money or sometimes more than that builder who bid really high because he included everything. And that just breaks my heart because <laughs> all the stress, all that managing expectations, it's a lot of work. And so we are from the get go, just have those honest, candid conversations um, and I've, I mean, I've used you to our benefit and the fact that, hey, just meet with a builder. You don't have to hire him, but it's another layer of education. It's someone else coming in and explaining it from a business, you know, standpoint, because 
our clients are successful, they're usually very, very business savvy. And so once you associate it outside of a bid and you go into those business, hey, here's the business and the reputation and the quality, you kind of quit talking about the dollar signs for just a minute. And we're not going to ignore those. We're going to work with your budget, but let's let's get the right team in place first. I love I love that analogy you gave. I mean, the reality is, is there's nothing more expensive than a cheap bid, right? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I've paid that price myself, but I, the parameter side, you know, I always use the analogy when people say, Brad, how much does it cost to build a house? I always say, well, what does it cost for a bag of groceries, right? And, and it's, I've go. said it here on the podcast before, but the parameter, I never thought about the travel analogy where it's like, okay, design me a vacation. Okay, are we going to Cape Cod? Are we going to Bora Bora? Are we going to African Safari? I mean, they're so distinct and different in cost and activity. I mean, you, you think of all the complexity there and that, and then now apply it to a house. And so how are you building those parameters? Because I'm sure a lot of clients will come in and say, you know what, Alicia, I love mid-century modern, or, mm-hmm. you know, I love a modern contemporary house, you know, but then they show you pictures and you're like, that's not anything <laughs> what we're talking about here. So how do you take their inspiration, images, ideas, and then kind of cultivate that into the correct parameters so you have at least a good base as far as design is considered. Well, and it's easy to take a client's words and vocabulary at face value because I got a design degree. My, you know, we've got four members of our team with design degrees. Mid-century modern means something to us as an educated four-year degree, uh, you know, designer to them. Yeah, something on Pinterest. (laughs) Exactly. And so we try to ask them different type of questions. What style are you? What style do you want this home? Doesn't usually get us very far. But where do you like to vacation? What does your closet look like? What inspires you? Um, What's the most favorite resort you've been to? And we literally Google it and get right on, you know, and pull it up if we need to. Yeah, you know, and we do have them pin pictures if they, whether they give us five or 500, we tell them we will take anything that you can give us um, because aesthetically and visually it starts to tell a story that they're not very good at verbalizing. But we as designers are trained to see it, pull it out of them and understand, you know, their lifestyle. You know, we've had clients come to us say, oh, I want contemporary. But then when I look at who they are and I realize, I'm like, no, you want something a little softer than that because you you still want this cozy and this picture isn't matching what, you know, your life. And we talk about it and work through those. um, And, you know, 99% of the time we're nailing it just because, and they're like, whoa, almost surprised that we pulled it out of them in a way that now can translate to a design. And sometimes they have no idea that we've pulled it out of them. Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to the questions is that when you say just pull it out of them, it's not like you're just creating magic out of nothing, right? You're actually, there's, there's a target. There's a, there's a mentality here where one of the questions you mentioned, you'll say, where do you vacation, right? What mm-hmm. resort do you stay at? And I love that because I will say the best designers I've worked with, including yourself, they always implement something about their travel into their house. So for example, maybe they sat at some amazing hotel in Paris and they had these antique, you know, antique mirror doors that open up into the suite and then they put that in their master bedroom. And so you see these little elements where people travel and they have these memories and they put into their house. But it does give you a good feel because people that travel and have been in different cultures, right? There is an aesthetic they're looking for because it makes them feel that way. That's why they travel. That's why they return to that location over and over. So if you bring that into their house, well, that's why I'm sure the clients like you nailed it without them really even understanding how you did so. Yeah. Well, they think they just had a fun conversation with a designer (laughs) getting to know each other. And, you know, we're meticulously taking notes and, um, and really understanding how they live and what they want. Um, because a home is much more than just tile, cabinetry, um, and drywall. I mean, it is a feeling. It should be felt. It should be experienced. It is where our clients relax at the end of the day. It's where they're going to create family memories. And so to be part of that process, first of all, is an honor as a designer to be entrusted with that. But also it's more than just the things. It's a feeling. Um, and, and that takes careful balance. You know, in the design world, 
we're constantly looking at balance. We create all of our designs in 3D, even if our clients don't see all of those aspects. You know, we definitely show them 3D renderings. But I'm walking through the space in 3D looking for things. How is it? Yeah, how is color balanced? How is texture balanced? How is scale? Do we have way too high of a ceiling here in Arizona? We, <laughs> we have the whole desert. Um, and so sometimes getting human scale, you know, getting some of these plans down to something more comfortable is, is a trick. So you, we want to know how they live and how they want to feel. And a lot of times that is, yes, there's tile that matches that. Yes, there's texture and, you know, beautiful faucets that go into that. But it's it's scale and architecture and ceiling treatments and blocking out, um, you know, contrasting darks, highs, lows. So there's a, you know, and sometimes they have no idea. <laughs> you know, they see that beautiful home at the end of the at the end of our project. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it and a lot that our team and our staff work hard, you know, with all the tools to do. And there's no doubt you touched upon this, that when most people walk through a beautiful house that's furnished, they'll think it speaks to them. They'll see a picture on Pinterest or Instagram, but they don't know why, right? They don't understand what it is. They may see, say it's white cabinetry that they're drawn to, but they don't see all the other elements and the furnishings and the accents and you know, maybe a mix of rustic with modern and, and transitional, right? And so they're not seeing these things. And I, I love how you feel because for me, like we've never done a project without a designer, at least in the last few years. And we won't do that. And it was, I when I had had this conversation with clients before COVID, it was still, there were still times where it was a little bit of an arm wrestle, right? Where they're like, Brad, I kind of know what I like. I don't really need a designer. And I'm like, no, you have to have a designer. And here's why, right? First off, it's going to make the process better. You're going to like me more by the end. Number two, it's, you know, the resale is going to be better. The comfortability is better, right? How everything flows and you're going to be happier with the build. But feel is something that people never really understood. I'd, at, at least not until COVID because COVID people are locked in their homes and now they're stuck and they're quarantining. And so were they inspired in their home? Did they have rooms that, that they were attracted to, they wanted to be in that Gave them energy. That gave the kids energy as they're working home from school. How was the yard? How was that flow? How was the kitchen, right? As you're there all the time. And that's where people don't realize that why not invest in that for the mentality and how you feel because there is true value there. And the designer is really going to nail that by hiring the right designer. Oh, completely. And it wasn't, I mean, after a couple of weeks of shutdown, our phone was ringing off the hook. People are like, um, I'm not traveling. I need to fix my house. Um, exactly. All of a sudden, homes became a priority, which we were ecstatic. You know, finally, we're talking the same language as our clients. Um, and there's those aha moments that a lot of people had. And a lot of people have started new projects since COVID, realizing that, hey, this this home I'm currently in is not a reflection of who I am or what I want to be or how I want to feel. And that has stemmed a lot of new build projects, some that we're working on together, um, and even extensive remodels or just a, re, you know, just a refresh. Um, but the public now, I think, has definitely understood homes the way that you and I have understood them the entire time and wanted them to be seen. But it's now we've got our clients on board, yeah, which is well, exciting. It is because think homes before COVID really, I mean, it was you go there and you sleep, right? You're out working, you're out mm -hmm. traveling, you're out doing whatever. And then now it became, no, we reside here. Like we live here. This is, this is real life. We have to make this right. So through your process that you mentioned, Alicia, I think what's unique is you also do hand sketches, yeah. like, which is an artistry part of the design process, which I know a couple architects that do that. To some scale, not the entire house, but some elements. And you do yep. not the whole house. You'll pick a kitchen and some yep. feature areas. So why, what's the, I mean, the renderings, yeah, computer automation, you can go through 3D. What is the value and why do you do the, the hand sketch? So what we have realized is getting our clients to visualize our design is probably takes more work than just the actual design itself. But without that visualization tool, they can't commit to it. And so it is key. We start all of our projects in SketchUp in a 3D program and walk through them and see the space. We then pick a view to show the client that really can um, 
you know, put that design on paper. The problem that we've had with computer, as cool as some of the gadgets are, is it's still a little cold. It doesn't give that warm feeling that a true home does in real life. And so we have a hand rendering artist. We now have two. And um, because it's become so integral in our processes. But that hand sketching, it starts in with the computer program. So it actually starts in SketchUp, but it's the light fixtures. It's the pillows. It's the texture that the hand rendering allows that real life layer to be put in so our clients can truly visualize a home as is experienced. Um, and, and CAD and 2D drawings in CAD are great for the builder. It's great for the cabinet shop. But there's this softer element that we want our clients to see the project as a home, not a house, their home. And that, that hand sketch is, is just an easy way for us to give them that warmth and give them a little bit more of that real life feel in an easy way. Because we, with our systems and processes, like it goes pretty quick. We can accomplish those in just a couple hours in-house. And so without going to crazy photorealistic rendering softwares and hours and hours, you know, going down other roads, we can quickly show them something and get their commitment and get them on board. Um, And then one of our new tools lately is photorealistic rendering. Mm -hmm. And so depending on the project and the client, we are adding that additional layer um, too, because again, visualization is everything. Because um, they're looking at a piece of dirt most of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, they're... and a 2D drawing, they're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Uh-huh. Like the biggest thing when we're sitting in design meetings, you know, a client will even say, well, this bedroom is, you know, 15 by 17 feet. Okay, what does that mean? Like, they, how big is that? Yeah. They have to actually walk into a house and see a 15 by 17 foot room to understand the scale. Yep. Right with the 10 foot or 12 foot lid, you know, ceiling. So the visualization is key because most clients, even if they've built a house, a lot of them can't see that because this isn't what they do every day. And to make things go from 2D to 3D is very difficult. And I will say, and when we do our, our press release, we're going to have to post one of your sketches because I do agree when you do that, Alicia, like there is a feel, as you mentioned, you're, you're creating a home for, for mm-hmm. your client. And, and the reality is that that drawing just gives a lot more life to what you're doing, right? Because they see the art and time that it took you, but also the texture and the layers that you mentioned that you just don't get in other scenarios. And I know that's what gravitates them. So when you're meeting with the client, we understand you have the visualization, you're doing the 3D, you're doing the colored renderings, you're doing the hand sketches. How does that process start? Like you, you have, and we, we talked about the first phase, the first phase they come in and say, okay, Alicia, this is our style. Here's our Pinterest pictures. Here's where we travel. Here's the resorts we like to stay at. You know, now it's an, okay, we have a good idea of what you want in your design. What's phase two? Do you start with a certain area of the home? Is it a certain just product line, like cabinetry everywhere? How does that go? So we we present to our clients the way you see a room. So instead of dragging them to a tile showroom and picking all the tile or picking all the cabinetry first, we design an entire room. So the first time that they see a space, they're seeing every detail, every tile down to the cabinet hardware, down to that backsplash, the countertop, the cabinet finish, you know, et cetera. Um, and we always start with the kitchen. The kitchen is what usually in-house takes us the most time. It's the most important space. It's where the most money is spent, the most time a client spends, and it sets the tone for the entire house. So we want to make sure right out of the gate that we are getting the design exactly the way they want it and setting the tone for the whole house. And the kitchen's the best place. So that first presentation with us, you'll see a 3D rendering of a kitchen, samples on the table, material samples, tile backsplash, all the way down to the little cabinetry knob and finish, um, and all the materials and finishes in between that it takes to get there. Um, Because, you know, our clients, you know, they look at a tile and say, okay, what is this? You know, but when you put it in a whole story, when you put it into an entire design, that's where they start understanding the whole concept. And when they see all of that put together, it, you know, most of the time they just commit. They're like, okay, hey, this is great. Keep going. Um, and that's our, you know, 
that's when we just light up in the office and, you know, kind of get that little payoff. Now, we're super excited to welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. So how do you manage, because this is a really complicated part, is as we, we're alluding to budget. In a perfect world, you have a client that has a contractor on board, an architect, and you're kind of working cohesively. So as you're going into kitchen design, you have a good idea of that budget for the kitchen itself. Mm-hmm. Now, when you don't have that scenario and the client wants to bid it out, like how are you managing the complexity of, we want to spend X dollars on the total house build, and now you just designed the kitchen. So how do you navigate that portion? Yeah. Um... A lot of it is trying to get with them and know and letting them know that we're going to design to the abilities. A, if you've got a builder on board, that's great. We're going to sit down with your builder, see who we're going to use. You know, we can tap into the actual cabinet company, get samples. Um, without that, there is an element where my hands are tied a little bit because I have to design a kitchen that any cabinet shop can, can accomplish. And I'm honest with them from the very beginning. And that sometimes goes into that conversation back at the beginning of, hey, let's get a, let's get a good contractor on board here as part of the team. Um, because we have to design for a successful project. And if we have too many unknowns, then it doesn't allow us to be as creative or just you know, to really tap into the skills and the strengths of various talent around town with subcontractors and cabinet companies and and installers. And so we're just really honest about that. Um, And I like to say we can still do a beautiful kitchen for them. It's just we have to know that way up front. And and again, just working and educating the client. That's a really important aspect. And and you said a key word there. You said I have to design something that every cabinet shop can build. And, and, and that's really important, I think, for anyone listening, because as you're thinking about the designer process for you, Alicia, and, and you mentioned creativity, creativity doesn't just mean it's going to be more expensive. Hiring a designer does not mean it's going to be more expensive, which a lot of people think that, but the value of a designer is, you know, working with a dedicated cabinet company like you have, you know, like mm-hmm. I know you work well for Depth, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that relationship, that teamwork where you can design something, you know, they can execute. So there's going to be less hours involved for both parties, right? You know that they can hit certain details at a cost-effective number. And so that's going to be different how you're coming into play with the design, right? Especially as they're providing samples and, you know, for, for the client to sign off on. Whereas if you have to design something that, who knows, they're going to bid it out with five different cabinet companies, you don't even know the qualification. There's, it's very vague, right? There's a lot of guessing that you have to do in that whole creative design. Exactly. Or limitations too. And that's, and that's the bummer part of our job, but hopefully we can overcome that with just some education and get that client on board. Or we've had conversations with clients, even if they don't know who the builder is going to be, and they say, no, but I really do want that amazing kitchen, and I don't want you to hold back. Well, now at least they're educated that when they do hire that builder, there's going to be certain cabinet shops that can accomplish that and others that can't. And we've been around Scottsdale for a long time. We know them all. And we can help guide them like, hey, these are three cabinet shops. See which one your future builder, whoever you hire, 
you know, has a good relationship with. Um, but we know these guys can do what we've designed. And so every once in a while that happens and it's just more about educating and making sure. So now they're going to go in to a bid with the builder knowing, hey, uh-uh, <laughs> you know, this is what we're going to need from the get-go out of, let's say, our cabinetry. Um, or we really, really like beautiful natural stone. And so our the installer that you use is going to have to be very equipped and accustomed to, you know, working with marble or working with, you know, heavy, big natural stones pieces. So outside of the kitchen, you know, as you've worked through that design process, what's your next favorite area of the home? Master bath. Yeah, the so, master bath. Yes, master bath. It has master bathrooms have become a retreat, you know, our kind of in-home spa, um, a point of relaxation. And not for everyone. We definitely interview the client. Every once in a while, you know, we'll get another room that really speaks to a client that they want their theater to be, mm -hmm. you know, amazing. But um, master baths is where we like to pull that creativity, get into beautiful layering of materials and texture. And it's a challenge because there's not a lot of furniture in a master bath. And so because we start with the architecture and start with the build part as designers, it's, you know, the master bath in the construction phase is 95% of the space at the end of the project. And so it, a lot of other spaces, family rooms, libraries, bedrooms, we can come up with a lot of texture and layers in the furnishings. Um, and we can kind of see what we're missing by the time we get to that point. But with master bathrooms, you got, you have to accomplish and kind of check off that design, you know, list in just the construction. And so architecturally, ceilings, light fixtures, plumbing fixtures, layering of tile. Um, I enjoy master bathrooms for that reason. Well, what's key, I mean, if you're designing a good master bathroom, a lot of it is you understanding what the client, how they're going to live, you know, the spa aesthetic, as you mentioned, just that, mm -hmm. that retreat. But it's really important if that's the case that you're involved in the beginning. So are you always involved with the architect in the beginning to have an influence on the floor plan layout if they want two water closets and his and her ride a steam shower? These elements they may want. Yeah, we, I mean, that's our ideal client and ideal project is we want to be involved from the moment that it's an idea on a napkin. <laughs> um, we allow the architects to do their job and... We want to make sure we're staying in our lane, but we tell our clients, you get us to be your consultant, to, to be your eyes and ears through that architectural development process with your architect. And we charge the same whether they hire us from the very, very beginning or, you know, yes, we do get hired maybe once plans have already developed, um, but we charge the same. So the clients who use us from the very beginning benefit the most. They're right. getting the most value. Um, and and that's just our kind of subtle way of saying, hire us early. Or if you didn't and you, you know, refer us to your friends, make sure your friends hire us early. Because um, I was an engineering major for two years in college before switching to design. And so that kind of architectural, I, you know, don't mind geeking out a little bit. Um, looking at a set of drawings, understanding where our structural points are, can you know can we move a wall two feet? Am I asking too much of the architect? Does this you know how do we cohesively work together? And the best projects that I've had is where that true team between designer and architect is established from day one, and it works all the way through. Um, and that's where you're, I mean, when you really are pulling the best out of many different professionals, the client wins at the end of that. I love that you shared that the client does win. And, and that's the perspective I think many of us are trying to change in the industry and it's happening, right? The clients see that, that this goes back to you. I mean, Alicia, along this point, like what has been your most successful project and why? Um, our most successful project was a new build in Arcadia neighborhood in Scottsdale here locally in our backyard. And... I think the reason why it was so successful, it was the third project that we've done for this client. And it was trust. It was whatever Alicia says. <laughs> it's, <laughs> those are always uh, good as a designer, right? Yes, we love those. But at the end of the whole project, it got photographed three times. It was published in Phoenix Home and Garden Magazine without us trying. Um, 
And they even just called me again this week. I mean, this was, you know, this project was finished a few years ago. And she says, yeah, we just got an offer. Our house is not for sale. And we got an <laughs> offer yeah. yesterday for just a ridiculous amount. She's like, we're not going to take it. But and they understood from working with us on the first two projects um, because they were very, very interested in value in their home and resale value. Even though they were designing this third one, they said would be their last, they still kind of have that business. You know, he comes from a business mm -hmm. um, and he was in the industry. So he had that mindset of let's make sure we always have value in this house. And they knew that design sells. And their first two projects that they sold, they made more on their house than they ever expected. And the realtor said, it shows well. It's, you know, beautiful. And so by the time we got to project three, it was, <laughs> we really got to tap into whatever we wanted. And her only request was just don't give me a white kitchen. <laughs> and it, it's it's very common in that neighborhood. Yeah, As you know, is. there's a yeah. little bit of an aesthetic in the look. And, and I said, no problem. But that allowed us to do black cabinets and partnered with, you know, light tones and crayon edge tiles and a little pattern in just the right places because we didn't have to really explain much to them. Um, so I would say that's our most successful project and has led to many other projects. And they're pretty good about teaching our future clients to trust us too, <laughs> well, <laughs> which, that, which that's is the, nice. That's the key, right? I mean, you say successful project comes down to trust. And a lot of it is, as you mentioned, you know, these are projects by the third time, especially when you have architect, designer, builder together and you're working cohesively, and then you have that goal, right? I, I look at my history that the best projects are always when the designer's on board with us, the architect's on board, we're working together, and by the time I put a shovel on the ground and we break ground, every, we have all the selections done. And it's not that we can't make changes or Alicia says, hey, we want to change this or this product's out of stock or the client may see something. That happens on every project. They're custom homes. Even on projects where things decided we'll still have 50 changes, right? Right. It's just reality. But the, but having that common starting place where we make those selections before we break ground, it leads to so much success. The project's built quicker. The client's happier, as you mentioned. Right now, we have a project where, fortunately, this would be amazing where all the furniture is going to be in. So we're going to finish our punch list. The clients can do their punch list. We're going to install the furniture. We're going to photograph it. Then the client moves in. And you're done. And this... Very few times in my career has it ever been that you can photograph a house before they move in, right? With all right. the furniture. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're striving for. But by having that team together and as we're kind of going through this heavy lifting and building that trust, that's where the client wins, as you mentioned. Yeah. And we keep talking about the ideal team, meaning professionals, but I tell the client they're on the team too. Yes. Because they are such an important piece and they bring something to the table, but it also allows them to kind of take ownership and responsibility to work great with everyone and to communicate. And so we tell them from the get go, hey, you're on the team, you know, and when I send out emails, it's hi team <laughs> um, and including them on everything. But yes, as professionals, it's great to work together, but we can't do our job without a client that trusts us. Yeah. And so I love that you mentioned that because essentially we're married, right? You're married to the client. You're married to the team for two years. I mean, these are one, two, three, four-year processes. You know, they can be, and so they can be exhausting. So emotionally, you want to make sure you all get along and you communicate well. You know, but you mentioned, you said this a few times, Alicia, so ideal client. This is something when you start thinking about marketing and success and business is understanding your ideal client. Why? What are they? Is there a demographic? Is there an age? Is there... Um, a consistency as far as them building projects or being experienced. So in your experience for the ideal client, what has been your ideal client? Uh, personally, in our, um, in our business, our ideal client is a couple who wants to build a new house and they're usually successful professionals, both of them. And they don't have the time and they're really needing to lean on professionals because of how we do our presentations, it's very, it's, it is presentation formatted. We're not dragging them to showrooms. We're not going to take up that much of their time out of their day. And so that's our ideal client. And we've had clients, like you mentioned, um, you know, one of our local clients had a penthouse in Belize and said, okay, we trust you. Let's go. And we've done some lake houses um, around the country. 
Um, I'm sure it was easy getting furniture to Belize too. Oh and my gosh. Getting construction done. <laughs> we now, I feel like, have a degree in international <laughs> logistics of yeah. ferries and boats and barges. And <laughs> Getting product released so, into the house, yes, to the penthouse. Total new challenge, but um, but no professional clients that are successful in their own uh, world and allows us to be professional and successful for them and pass that trust on. That's the ideal client. What's well, interesting? You mentioned systems. I think that's the most successful thing for any business. I know for me, it wasn't until we had systems here at AFT that I felt that we actually were successful. As a builder, and it's not that we're still making mistakes, but we have systems and protocol that's now checking that and we're fixing that to be a better builder. And you're the same way, Alicia, where, you know, the reality is you want successful clients that, you know, trust you, as you mentioned, that are going to hire you because they can focus on their career and life and whatever they have going on. And they need to hire professional people. And this goes back to something earlier in the conversation you mentioned is that when we're talking about the cheapest price, well, I, I know you and I have spoken offline and typically... When you, the cheapest person is someone who's not going to manage the job, right? Oh. So the client's managing it. The client's hiring <laughs> someone to build their house and yet they're having to micromanage the whole process. That's exactly what we don't want to happen. And so hiring the right people that are going to run the project and lead it and, and, and drive that bus, right? That's what you do, Alicia. And that's why the clients trust you. And that's where you have found success with those ideal clients that don't want to micromanage. They want to hire Alicia because she, she, I don't have to go to 50 showrooms. She has her systems in place that she makes all the selections and we can sit down. Yes, yes, yes. Make that switch. But you're you're good to go from your side. Yeah. We, we explained to our clients, we have a very systematic and organized process for a creative <laughs> design, um, which sounds funny. But we, from the very beginning, will give them a presentation schedule. For the next four months, they know every single thing that's going to happen, every step, what to expect every time when they walk into our presentation room. It's extremely organized. Homes are difficult, especially when we're getting to the size of homes that we get out here in the desert, is, is to be able to get through all the designs and all the decisions and keep the client on track, keep us on track as designers. And so before we even start a project and we know they're on board, we've interviewed them, we've done our little kickoff meeting, um, we set up the entire schedule. Sometimes that lasts six months and we calendar the entire thing out because my team then has checkpoints and to-do lists and you know certain things that we need to make sure. Did we talk about this? Have we mentioned the kitchen sink? Have we gone through these aspects? Um, and so systems is key for the, proje the projects, the caliber and the size that we're doing. You can't do them without great systems. And I'll say you've hit your mark every time. I know in the, the projects we've worked together on pre-construction, you know, the architect has his timeline of certain phases of the design, right? And then after the, the floor plan and renderings and the elevations are done and that get, gets kicked off to the consultants, engineers, you know, civil, mechanical. You know, that's when you really kick in, but you have that broken out phases where you're like, hey, Brad, what is the date we're submitting for permit? When do you need a design book? And then you're breaking that out and you have your phases and you give that to the client. And, and I think that's really valuable because for any designer that's going to sit there and break out, here's phase one, two, three, eight, whatever it may be, and you hit those and you're done, it just is a streamlined process. The client understands the expectation, the time commitments you need in design. And then they understand that once Alicia's done, she hands it off to Brad or whatever builder and now they go do it. And yeah, you're going to be involved, but at least now the heavy lifting has been completed. Completely. Well, and as a business owner, it's pipeline. It's, you know, I, schedule. I, I mean, scheduling. they're traveling, they're busy. Yeah, they know their commitment to you. Yeah. Well, and our clients are super busy. So we have also found that that presentation schedule is key because it's not like, okay, now we have the kitchen done and designed. When can you meet? Well, gosh, it may take two weeks to get everybody's schedule to right. align. And then you have dead time, lost time. Exactly. And so we set from the very beginning and I tell them, look over this schedule. If some of these dates don't work, let's, we're going to reschedule now on day one, you know, and then we know on month four, they're in town, they're going to be there. And so decision makers can be there. You know, a lot of times we ask for, if possible, you know, husband and wife or both partners to be at those meetings, um, because when things have to be relayed because someone has to miss it, that gets tough. 
And sometimes we do, you know, then we end up doing two presentations. Yes. <laughs> Which is tough. You want to make sure everyone's there, right? Yeah. So it helps. So to put you on the spot here, because I understand that you may have some clients that listen to this and you've designed many different aesthetics. And that's one of the values of Alicia Taylor Interiors is that you can do any design. And because the reality is you're not, it does, there's no ego, right? You're interpreting what the clients want and you're putting that together with your team. And that's the skill set you have now. This is your personal house. So what is your aesthetic? If you're designing your own kitchen and house, no limitations, you know, what direction are you going? Personally, I do love the warm and cozy, something that, you know, I can cook a whole meal in and feel cozy and um, classic, rooted in classic with all the modern touches, I think would be how so I'd define, explain. Yeah, define that a little bit for anyone listening. If you're saying classic architecture design with some of the modern flair mm -hmm. if you were amenities. Yeah. So traditional cabinetry, function, storage, you know, some of those appealing um, features, but yet maybe a streamlined panel style and a simplistic crown um, focusing on massing and that hood design instead of just throwing up some huge classic, you know, hood, maybe that's where the modern touch comes in partnered with, you know, some, you know, more classic traditional pieces. So in keeping it clean, and, and I think no matter what our client style is, whether it's soft contemporary or a true traditional, my style comes out. It's that, you know, yeah. that classic, there's some, oh, it's always going to be rooted in some type of a classic architecture or style or just feeling, even if it is contemporary, let's say, because then the modern touches, it's just how much of those modern touches and how much of that specific style you put in. It's key. I mean, the reason you say that when you're thinking classic or, or another word, timeless, right? It, there are elements to designs, you know, from the East Coast to even California and to Europe, right? That have stood the test of time for hundreds of years that so you could walk in and they still look consistent, right? Yes. And you don't want something trendy that's going to say in and out, oh, that was built at this time frame because that's what was common. And so having to integrate, yes, flares of that classic and timeless design with some modern touches or something that's current is key so that it retains its values. You mentioned with some of your clients that. Yeah. It, well, and it's real reset. estate value. Mm -hmm. You know, very few of our clients, we do ask that question in our kickoff meeting, you know, from a scale of one to 10, one being a flip. So it has to appeal to everyone to 10, meaning no one could buy this house <laughs> because it's so custom to you. I Where do you, you want to be? Because you kind of have to be that way. Yes. Everyone if they have our, engraved medallions, just walk through the front door with their last name or something, right? Exactly, to... exactly. So we ask everyone, and ninety percent of our clients are totally keeping in mind resale value. And so, yes, they have definite personal requests. But as a designer, I'm constantly making sure that we're adding value to their home and not taking away because of just something they asked for. And, you know, and walking through that and keeping that in check the entire time, because a beautiful design should blow the real estate market water. You know, it should absolutely do better than its neighbor. So from a personal standpoint, or maybe even for the clients, when you're looking at the flooring, do you prefer a wood product, do you, wood flooring, tile? You know, is there something that... I mean, here in Arizona, we do a lot of engineered wood. Yeah. So wood flooring... We refuse to do tile-looking uh, wood <laughs> blanks. <laughs> we'll tell our Again, clients this goes why. Back to so, time frame, right? Exactly, you know? yeah. exactly. Um, and some of the softer, like soft contemporary homes, will require um, a stone or a beautiful large format porcelain. So some of that is dictated by the architecture of the house. But yeah, our favorite style or our favorite flooring is going to be your your wood flooring. It just adds that warmth and that background that we can build a design off of. So you've had great success as a designer with repeat clients. And I know a lot of your clients have been with you many times, which really speaks to your ability to communicate and walk through the process and the system side. Outside of repeat clients, where are you finding the inquiries and job leads? I would say builders and architects are our biggest referral base. Um, when you've got a great team, you want to do it again. And we we do the same and, you know, we pay it back to them in a referral as well, because a builder is everything to getting a successful, beautiful project at the end and carrying our vision through. And so definitely those team members, 
it's it's evident that we all want to work together again. Um, and then beyond that, we launched a brand new website. We've been focusing on SEO. Um, I've been kind of geeking out and trying to learn the marketing world and, <laughs> and hired a marketing manager in-house. So um, and so we're getting inquiries, a lot of inquiries from our website. Um, and and if they go there, they're getting a little education first. They're seeing, you know, other projects. Um, and then, of course, Instagram, I think, is um, just a great resource and a great marketing tool for us as designers. Yeah, SEO is super important. I don't think a lot of us focus enough on Google and, you know, the, the back inside, whether you're using WordPress or whatever, but how you're that content, right? And even how YouTube was owned by Google. So any YouTube content you're putting out does speak and they mm -hmm. collaborate together. I noticed, you know, we don't have a huge following on YouTube, but there are clients that somehow see our videos or they're looking up ICF construction, that video comes up. So that part's important that, you know, the content creation is important for any company. Yeah. And we've learned too, we're, we're focusing on trying to do it organically and move up, which takes a lot of time. It's a lot of time organically. And um, blog posts and learning how to write a blog post and how many times you have to say certain words and phrases for the googly bots to pick up on it. And we've hired a, a local company, actually, a small business to help us to kind of understand and teach us. And they've, it's been, that's been huge. And then in-house having somebody that is well-versed on SEO. So we're quietly kind of always plugging away at SEO, um, but it's a long game. It's a... <laughs> it's a long game or it's a very expensive game. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we're going with the long game. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I can understand that. I remember when we first started a website and just understanding what the cost would be to have a third party work on the SEO content. You know, it is, it, it's a lot of money. It's a big investment, right? Yes. Yes. And you have, a, you have an inside track too on the marketing side. Your daughter's working, you know, for Modern Luxury. And so yep. there's that correlation. And so for you, you've been fortunate to be published in many different publications. Have you seen the benefit of, not that you're designing to be published, you know, that's not the goal you're designing mm -hmm. for your client, but, and it's, and those awards or those publications don't separate you as a business, but they do help, right? There's additional press releases and marketing material. And so how have you seen that benefit? Just, you know, seeing... Uh, you, you, yourself in these publications and other eyes, you know? Definitely. Well, I look at it as a resume builder, even though, yes, I have a job. I'm not going out there, you know, with a resume in hand, but in a way, every business has its own resume. And so our our clients or potential clients get a kick when they find out we were published. <laughs> and it's funny because it's not necessarily someone finding us out of the blue from the publication calling us to hire us. It's a potential client, someone we've been nurturing. It's the builders. It's the architects. It's it's just building that reputation, kind of building that resume, just another kind of gold star there to be able to show a potential client. And that's where we find value in all those different eyes and those different formats of marketing. So when you mentioned that you're working with the outside party, is this a public relations firm? Is this someone just helping with SEO? So their their name is Marketers and they are just strictly SEO. Okay. And so, and they really tailor to small businesses. So they have budget-friendly packages. You can write your own blogs. They can write them for you. There's a lot of different options. Um, but we learned through, you know, having my daughter is a market, has a marketing degree, taught me a lot, um, and others that it's slow and it's methodical um, and we didn't have those skills, you know. And so we yeah, reached out and, um, and they've been great. And now we're pulling in more marketing in-house. And so we're needing maybe them a little less, but it's because now we are writing blogs and, you know kind of taking those tools and keys and just keep that ball So in-house, you're still doing your own social media though, about yes. outsourcing the blogs. Yes, we, yeah, exactly. So in-house, we do all of our social media. Um, we actually had a gal do all of our posts who is actually out of house per se. She was a design student up at NAU and had her help us, you know, with some of that. 
and then hired her as a full-time <laughs> junior designer. She's awesome. So um, so now it's truly in-house. Wow. And we've got, I hired this year was the the switch where I said, okay, we need somebody in-house that has a marketing degree. Um, outsourcing it is going to get expensive. And I just want that person who actually knows my voice and our culture and our business and our ideal client. Um, so that's been huge is to pull somebody in-house to help with marketing. It's so smart as you think about that element. So many companies don't think about the marketing arm. And it's really key because as you mentioned, you know, some of the biggest influencers out there were started blogs or bloggers, right? Mm -hmm. And that content, content, content and keywords and SEO moved them up. And then now they've leveraged that in other parts. But a lot of companies that I network with that are still successful today, still blog. People think that blogs are important, but the back end side and the website and that traffic is still speaking online and on the web. And as you mentioned, you know, just having that flavor of this is what, even if you're not doing it yourself, Alicia, but having someone in the house that understands your protocol and how you want to communicate and present your company, you know, to portray that online is really key. Yeah. And everything does ultimately run through me. We're still very small and I like to be small and boutique. So that's nice. Like even though we have a marketing manager in-house, I'm still making sure that last check, that it's our voice, that it's my voice, that it's our style, our aesthetic, our ideal client. We're speaking to the right audience um, because it's it's important being a small business owner, that that voice is carried through to every single thing that we do. So now here's the real complicated part of your business. You know, design, you have that talent, you have the marketing down, all these things are covered. You know, the staging and the furnishings oh. and lead times and manufacturers, <laughs> like how are you even navigating just the chaos that you're dealing with with product supply chain? Well, I think that's the perfect word for it right now is chaos. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing we can do is be honest. And and uh, we used to be able to navigate lead times and, hey, you're going to get your furniture 10 to 12 weeks and it's going to be great. And maybe there'll be a straggle, one or two little items, you know, straggling along. And now it's, we'll get one piece in the first 10 to 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we've changed our contract, I think, four times in the last year. Right. Just to add those expectations in our in our contract from the beginning, from the beginning um, and just trying to stay up on it. So it's just communication. But yeah, chaos is a, it's been tough. And I think we've also had builders reach out to us more in this last year than any other year I've been in business of, hey, can you reselect this? Hey, can you redo this? And, and that's exhausting too, because this is a project that we have not, Finished, I mean, build, the, completed, the yeah. design is done. The book was passed off. Um, we've gone by the job site a few times, but I couldn't tell you from, um, you know, off the top of my head, exactly the manufacturer and the tile and the color and the style number of that bathroom tile mm -hmm. where I could a year ago. Um, and so jumping back into projects, I think has been a challenge for us. Um, and so we've, We've tried to been cleaning out our library in-house, like, okay, what is being finicky right now? What is not serving us well? Why are we reselecting all of these? Why are they being discontinued? Why are they stuck on a ship somewhere for 16 weeks? Right. <laughs> you know, and learning what projects we can still spec those products in because we've got like an AFT team or a great builder that understands that. And then... What projects are we working on where we just don't have that flexibility or know-how? And this is where it's really key. You're alluding to this is that your relationship, not only with the client, builder, architect, yeah, that's super important as we mentioned, but the other element is your relationship with your vendors, right? And your suppliers to understand mm -hmm. what suppliers are servicing my contractor or my client and communicating. And so how do you navigate that? Or should I say, how do you even build those relationships with certain tile and cabinet and countertop companies? Well, I I mean, honestly, they become friends because we rely on them so much. It's, you know, we have tile reps dropping off tile every other day, coming in, keeping us, hey, this is looking like, I know you spec this out six months ago, but the company discontinued it. So, and this is, you know, most of the time we're getting that info before the builder even reaches out to us. And it's just relationships. Um, 
and utilizing once you have a good relationship with a cabinet company or a tile company is to nurture that relationship, keep it going, um, and use them and vice versa, tap into what they can do for you. Yes, I can go down to the tile showroom, but my rep's willing to drop things off. Right. And so it's a, t- that's why I say, I tell our clients, oh, it's a whole village who's building your yeah, house. Yeah, it is a village. <laughs> You're just like see three or four professionals, but. There's a lot. Behind. There's a lot. Um, you know, a great plumbing rep and a great tile showroom and a fabulous cabinet company. Those are all key to a great new build. And this is key. I know with you, Alicia, and other designers that are very successful, I can tell you from the builder side is that you have these relationships with the vendors where they understand, hey, Brad, we met with Alicia. We know all the selections. Here's all the tile we're providing. Here's all the plumbing. Here's the appliances, whatever. And as things change or become discontinued or unavailable, they're going with you. You're reselecting. You're working with them direct. We get the update. And so it's really an easy streamlined process because I'm not having to manage it. You're already doing that and your vendor is. They're and really, it's the, I mean, the they do a the great, yeah. yeah. And the great vendors are the ones doing all the hard work yep. in that department. You and they're know? forecasting. They're saying, hey, Brad, when are you going to be ready for this? Alicia has this. And so they're tracking that for us. Yeah. And we get emails. You know, I get at least weekly emails from a few tile showrooms here in town that, hey, give me tabs on how this project is going. And that is super important for me to respond to because then I know that gives them permission to go do their job. Oh, you know what? We haven't even broken ground yet. Um, or here's the builder here, you know, and they start building that team. Um, cause then ultimately, instead of getting that call from a builder that this tile has been discontinued and they need something tomorrow, I'm getting a rep who's keeping eyes and ears to the ground, you know, forecasting what could possibly go wrong and fixing it for us, you know, a lot of times. And, and throughout this conversation, you know, I just hear the years of experience and you have You've been doing this, Alicia. You have a talented team, systems in line. If you're starting today or if you're a good advice to a young designer who wants to mm-hmm. be successful, what would you tell them? I did the school of hard knocks where uh kind of went out on my own very, very young and made a lot of mistakes <laughs> and learned, learned the hard way. I would tell a young designer, especially right out of school, go work for a successful design firm that has those processes and systems in place. Um, it's a shortcut. And, and stay there for a while. Learn. Because there's so much value in seeing it's not just putting together a pretty design like you did in design school. There's business and clients and psychology. I tell every one of our junior designers, I'm like, oh, you probably should have gotten a psychology degree instead of a design degree. Because right? that is how that is a skill that you're going to have to learn here. Um, and to learn it on someone else's dime, on someone else's clock, that, and then shoot for a job at the best firm that you can, you know, really, really learn from the best um, before either going out on your own or, or, you know, doing that. So that's, that would be my biggest advice to a young designer is be willing to learn. I love that. Being willing to learn attitude is so key, but the psychology and marketing degree are so key. <laughs> I, you know, Things this, we had to learn, the, you know. Oh, you don't realize how important psychology and communication is, not only with your clients, but your vendors, as you mentioned, your team, your employees. I mean, you manage your people. That's yep, what we do. It's a people industry. And it, and you have to be a good people person for you to be successful. So what's upcoming and exciting for Alicia Taylor Interiors? So we just moved into a new space here in Old Town Scottsdale. Um, so we're excited to build that out and really tailor it to what our clients need and what we need in a library and in a design studio. Um, we just launched a new website so that allows us for all the fun SEO uh, tools. And we've got a huge, um, well, we've got a lot of projects coming up, a lot of new builds. It's hard for us to be patient. <laughs> Especially waiting forever for permit. Uh, yes. Um, so in the next couple of years, all the work that we've been doing this year is, you know. You're able to broadcast it. Yes. Yes. So stay tuned because we've got beautiful hillside with AFT. Um, we've done a job in Belize. 
We've got some great projects in a new neighborhood out in the East Valley, which is fun for us to really be part of the most, you know, a luxury community um, out here local. And so, and a huge, great new build project on Exeter, which is kind of the the coveted streets here in Scottsdale. So it is. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. So where can our listeners find you? You can find us at alishataylor.com, A-L-I-S-H-A. And then on Instagram at Alicia Taylor Interiors is our handle. Well, you've been amazing, Alicia. Thank oh, you so thank much for you joining for us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brad. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.